That value proposition of changing the way companies work by giving everyone a voice, especially people who've never been connected before, is really what resonates uh, within, within our ecosystem of clients and partners right now. And I think we have, in a way, the credibility to do it because we've connected 2 billion people on Facebook before. Your staff have the right to the tools that they need to do their job. And if the foundation tool for an organization like ours working in so many geographies and across so many areas and themes and functions, is a digital workplace, uh, then the, the fundamental right is, is that to connect. Hi, I'm Paul Miller, and you're listening to Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices, and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. So the title of the episode today is Facebook, Oxfam and Digital Leapfrogs. And it's a conversation I had with two quite different people, Julian Cordenu, Julian is the Vice President of Workplace by Facebook. He runs all things to do with Facebook's workplace service from their headquarters of the service in London. Uh, And my other guest was Neil McCarthy. Neil runs the technology team at Oxfam America. And we all know Oxfam for the incredible work that they do across 90 different countries. And I got Julian and Neil together for two reasons. One is I've been following Workplace by Facebook for several years now. I think that it's a significant new technology, not recommending it. Just think that Facebook's entry into the world of work is significant. And also got to know Neil well through his pioneering work at Oxfam. And rather than this be a publicity campaign for Facebook, which frankly they don't need from me, uh, I really wanted to get into some of the aspects of what it means to leapfrog digitally. And that's by leapfrogging, I mean where you take people within an organisation who have been digitally disenfranchised. Maybe they're in retail, manufacturing, distribution, but they've been left out in the digital cold for a long time, wondering what the heck is going on. And also the other aspects of digital leapfrogging, which is probably more strategically important, is when different countries and economies in the world start to get connected in new and powerful ways. And whether it's Facebook, Google, Elon Musk, whoever, we are going to live in a completely digitally connected planet very soon. And the implications socially, politically and economically are significant. So we touch on things like Save the Children, quite a bit about the work that Oxfam have been doing, where the take-up has been greatest for the new service that was launched in October 2016 by Facebook. 
and really what it means when you have 900 million knowledge workers in the world, but two and a half billion people in work, and the number is rising. So two really fascinating guests, Julian Cordenew from Facebook and Neil McCarthy uh, from Oxfam America, and I hope you enjoy the show. Julian, you know, it was a, a little while ago when you uh, kindly gave me a tour around the workplace by Facebook um, HQ in, in London. And, and one thing that really kind of stayed with me was that you, you said that there were some really uh, fascinating stats coming of where the take up for the for the new service had, had come from. But just before we get into that, can you just tell me why and tell people who are listening why? Why did Facebook want to get into the digital workplace? I think, for, you know, the mission of Facebook has always been to connect people to the Internet and to Facebook. And in a way, the mission of Workplace is very much aligned uh, with that mission. We have the ambition to be the first SaaS app that will connect everyone in the company, not just the CEO and the board, but, uh, you know, everyone who works in the same company, whether they have um, a desk, an email, a PC. And I think this is really what, uh, why, why we decided to build Workplace. We wanted to be the first app to do that, to be the first company to connect everyone, because we believe that when everyone is connected, great things happen in terms of productivity. And when you give a voice to everyone, ultimately, it creates a different type of organization. And this is, this is really why we decided to invest in Workplace more than two years mm. ago. And it, it kind of grew out of your, your own organization's use, use of Facebook within the organization. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Facebook, in a way, was the first workplace user. Uh, we were using Facebook for work, basically, things like groups, uh, Messenger. Uh, and then we decided to build and to package a proper product for other companies that would be uh, willing to use the same, uh, the same tools that we had. And, and we noticed when we started giving that product to other companies, and I think we started with RBS in the UK two years ago, then with Club Med, then to Danone, to companies like Hootsuite or or um, Heineken in the US, we've noticed that the same thing was happening. Um, you know, it created a different type of organization. Um, the feedback from the users was great. So this is when we decided uh, to launch Workplace officially in October last year. And, and you said that you wanted to do it in order to connect the workplace. Is your feeling that the workplace hasn't been connected? Because I suppose most people working in organizations feel that their organizations are pretty well connected. But I suppose it raises the question is, is what does it mean to be connected? And, and do you feel that organizations aren't connected at the moment? Well, I think a lot of software companies have been targeting uh, knowledge workers, people who have an email, who have a PC, who work in front of a PC all day. But uh, I, I would say that so far, no one has really been obsessed with connecting people who've never been connected before because they never had a PC or an email because it was sometimes too expensive or because they only had a mobile phone and sometimes their personal phones. So when you look at a company like Danone, for example, which is one of our largest workplace users, uh, 30,000 employees at Danone are factory workers. They've never been connected to any sort of enterprise software before. And yet their CEO 
is trying to connect everyone, including them. Um, and they've never felt like that before. So I think we're trying to do that. And that, that, that value proposition of changing the way companies work by giving everyone a voice, especially people who've never been connected before, is really what resonates uh, within, within our ecosystem of clients and partners right now. And I think we have, in a way, the credibility to do it because we've connected 2 billion people on Facebook mm. before. And and so can you just give me... Um a kind of flavor of of what's happened since the service was launched some of the um uh, kind of statistics around take up um kind of regional differences and so on well as you know we launched workplace officially with a new name uh, the original name was facebook at work so we changed the name and we launched the product officially uh, in October uh, last year. I think when we launched it, we had 1,000 customers. We now have more than 14,000 customers. We have customers in basically every continent, including Antarctica. When we met Paul, I think that India was our, our first market. It's not the case anymore. I think it's uh, it's the US right now who's, who's taking the lead. Uh, in terms of customers, so we have Oxfam, of course, which was one of our first customers, but we um, you might have so you might have uh, heard of Starbucks as well, who's using workplace in the US to connect the board and uh, the, the board the knowledge workers but also the the, the store managers we have companies like uh, like Danone's uh, we have uh, Colombia Mercado Libre Canadian Tire so company customers and, and partners in basically every continent uh, and it's growing very fast. The main challenge we have right now is to scale with partners and to make sure that we can um, launch workplace um, in every possible uh, you know, industry and no matter what the, 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 the company size is or no matter what the, uh, the geography is. What has surprised you about where the take-ups happened? I think that the surprise for us was to see that that value proposition to change the way companies work by giving everyone a voice uh, was really resonating, especially at companies that have a lot of deskless employees. So we knew that Workplace could work for companies like Facebook. You know, we have companies like Deliveroo using Workplace or Booking.com. Uh, but the surprise for us was to see that in companies like ClubMed or Danone or Starbucks, companies that are obsessed with the front line, you know, there was, there was a big wheel at the top of the company to connect everyone. And so this is why we've been surprised by the growth of workplace in India, for example, where we've seen a few uh, conglomerates like Reliance launching workplace uh, to more than 50,000 employees or the government of Singapore who put 150,000 people on workplace, you know, three months ago. So that, that, that was a surprise for us to see that, that that value proposition, that intuition we had about what the product could do was a reality for many companies and many uh, next generation leaders trying to build a, a different kind of workplace. Hmm. I mean, and when we met, it, it sounded like you were getting take up in, in developing countries um, uh, in a way that really hadn't been expected. And, and, and how many countries has workplace by Facebook been taken up in? And, and has, there, have there, has that trend continued? I know you said the US has now become the largest um, market, but what about the other uh, developing countries? Yeah, I don't have the exact number. I think it's 60 plus, 
But um, but as you said, I think there is a new generation of companies, especially in in developing countries, companies that are growing very fast who need to uh, to build a workplace for basically millennials. We know that in twenty by twenty twenty, fifty percent of the workplace will be millennials, and they will have very different expectations on how they will have to work and the tools they will have to use. So that that's why, in a way, when we've seen what happened in the Philippines. Um, in, um, even in, in Latin America, um, um, is, 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 I think not a surprise because these companies, they want the new, new thing. They want something that will work on mobile in a mobile only world, uh, for millennials. And in a way, having something that people are already familiar with, um, is a big plus for them. But I would say that, and, and I think this is one of the, um, something you've been talking f- uh, a lot for a long time, Paul. I, I think that these companies, they, they, in a way, they are leapfrogging, uh, directly to the, the new, new, um, I would say generation of communication app or collaborate, collaboration app. And Neil, I mean, you, uh, you and, and Oxfam have been early adopters of this service. What was it that attracted you to, um, workplace by Facebook? Thanks, Paul. And uh, yes, we, we, as you know, as you may know, Oxfam is actually a confederation of 20 organizations operating in more than 90 countries. Um, but we, we wish and we have an aspiration to operate as uh, one Oxfam in all of our work. And taking that one Oxfam approach to the work really means breaking down the silos of geography and language. And in Oxfam's case, employer, I mean, there's 20 different organizations employing the 10,000 staff that work for us. So for us to work truly as a global entity, so that we can, you know, share, use our shared capability towards fulfilling our mission means also breaking down the digital workplace silos that have grown, grown up over time. That many intranets problem that uh, you and I've spoken about before. So that staff everywhere can find each other, connect via digital means, collaborate together on the common work that we have and consolidate our shared knowledge and our institutional memory. So we'd already started work on a digital, a global digital workplace initiative combining we were really looking for best of breed collaboration solutions and trying to combine them into a global and coherent uh, offer. When uh, when Workplace by Facebook came along, or Facebook at Work as it was then called, um, and they approached us and asked us if we wanted to evaluate and, and take it on a trial run. And we loved it. Uh, we really loved it from day one. It, it really resonated with people in terms of one of the digital workplace needs that we we had tried to fulfill but didn't particularly want to build. Uh, and it's been, I would say, an unqualified success at Oxfam. We launched it about four or five months after we started that trial. Uh, we now have more than seven and a half thousand users provisioned, more than more than 70% of this, those users have signed in and we have about 3000 people that are active every month. So we've been really, really happy with it. Hmm. And have you noticed any particular regional differences within within Oxfam in terms of um, kind of digital adoption of this or other other related technologies uh, absolutely yes I would say I mean from a from a narrative perspective it's a very democratic space for conversation it doesn't matter where in the Oxfam hierarchy you are or what geography you're in or your area of you know thematic or functional expertise you can contribute or ask a question it makes it much easier to find an expert it kind of you know breaks down those silos of of hierarchy that would have that have existed traditionally in organizations like ours. Um, and it's also showed the power in, in more grassroots based communications that there's, there's a disintermediation, I guess, of, of that, uh, those traditional internal comms channels or even those management structural channels for someone to ask a question that goes up through the line and down through the line. And where does the expert lie? 
um, we're having lots of conversations. We've, we've more than 800 groups active, hundreds of posts and responses every week. I think it shows that the organization was really hungry for a space in which to have this conversation and uh, workplace by Facebook has really proved to have a low barrier to entry. I mean, partly because so many people, billions of people were familiar with Facebook that it was, you know, our, our adoption strategy has really been almost uh, an underground approach. We haven't really rolled out major training sessions or, or launches. Uh, it's just we've made it available. We've socialized it and people are really adopting it. Has there been more adoption in developing countries than developed countries or is it really pretty much the same? I would say it's it's relatively equal. Um, I, I would say we're, what what's been really interesting for us is that it's it's created conversations between staff in developing countries and developed countries that wouldn't that would have been very difficult to uh, create or sustain before. One of my favorite stories is that of a, a public health engineer. We do a lot of water and sanitation work. As an Ox, uh, Oxfam is, is known within our own sector as uh, plumbers without borders sometimes, but we do a lot of <laughs> water and sanitation work. And one of the public engineers working in Yemen had a question about a, a, a joint in a water supply network. It's kind of an S-bend that's put in an otherwise straight pipe for, for water uh, supply. And he got an answer from in a couple of hours from a colleague, uh, a Spanish colleague living in the UK. And, it, you know, it, he he responded to the to the to the explanation by saying this is something that I've been asking for ages and nobody was able to explain the reason for this particular uh configuration of of uh, of a water pipe and and we we as a team were looking at it and thinking how could this have happened um in our previous digital workplace setup but how could this have even happened you know five years ago uh the, the, which the, the barrier to entry the barrier to access the visibility of that knowledge the um empowerment really which is one of our key thoughts around this the empowerment of the person working in yemen to get in and ask that question and get a quick answer that's that's transformational for an organization like ours. Yeah, and I, I suppose that the the thing that kind of was in my mind in 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 wanting to bring both of you together for this particular episode, um, Julian, you, you know, you from the technology side, if you like, and the connecting side, and and Neil as a as an organization using technology in this way, is that I think we've we've kind of been living through and perhaps still are in a kind of period where technology even in the wealthiest countries in the world in the work was really a kind of preserve i always remember being talking to people in a, a large oil company who shall remain nameless and they said well you know we've got people inside the organization who are connected and other people inside the organization who who aren't connected and that's that's kind of fine and i i sort of thought to myself this should be completely unacceptable. And I wonder whether in the same way that you've talked about, Julian, that you're really connecting. You mentioned Danone, 30,000 factory workers, um, the obsession with connection in the same way that we're now connecting up the digitally disconnected, the disenfranchised. There's also I'm kind of encouraged what you say, Neil, which is across Oxfam, you're not seeing um, well, the take-up's bigger in India than in, in Spain. It's pretty much the same, but there's this democratic kind of fluid connection that's happening. And, and it, it, Julian, do you think this is kind of where we're going? Well, what are the implications for this, for, for, a, for work, as more of the world becomes able to connect to these technologies? 
Well, I, what, I, what we see is clearly a pattern from, from some leaders. We clearly see some next generation executives, and, and sometimes it's the CEO uh, herself or himself, but they absolutely want to connect everyone. Uh, at Starbucks, for example, uh, where we deploy the workplace, the CEO, I think, uh, the new CEO, Kevin Johnson and Howard Schultz, who's the chairman, they do one live on workplace with all of their employees every month. So they have something to share with them every month. I think at, at Danone, uh, the CEO does that every two weeks with all of his employees. So I, I really think that there is something happening here at some companies, a new type of leadership, people who absolutely want to talk to their employees and to get feedback uh, all the time, people who are obsessed with the frontline, who want to reduce the distance between them and their frontline employees and their clients, or to reduce the distance between employees who do not work in the same office or who are not on the same time zone, uh, just like uh, Neil highlighted with that example from Yemen. We clearly see that there's, there's something happening here and that at the end of the day, we believe because we've seen some, some anecdotes or some examples that it will make a difference on employee uh, sentiment, employee uh, retention and, and, and on the, the brand as an employer brand for some of these companies. Because it's, it's a very different story when you tell your cost, your, your, your uh, potential employees that they will be able to use tools that they know how to use that will work on mobile. It's not like they will have to learn a different language just, just to get the job done. So we clearly seeing that there's something happening here uh, at some of the companies we mentioned and in the workplace in general. Mm. And what's your feeling about this, Neil? I mean, this idea that we're, we're moving almost into a kind of leapfrog digital work age where it's unacceptable to have people who are not engaged and connected whether they're in delivery roles manufacturing roles retail factories etc etc and um, as well as on a on a kind of global level within you know nations yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. We, we, Oxfam has a rights-based approach to our development. Our, our theory of change for, for our entire vision is about, is about rights. And the IT directors group within Oxfam adopted a rights-based approach to information systems about five years ago. And that has so really... What, just explain what you mean by a rights-based approach. In, in the context of, uh, of the overall uh, organizational structure, the rights-based approach is really looking at uh, that, you know, pe- people who have, who have the ability to assert their rights... Uh, can find their own way out of poverty. We're an organization that's trying to end poverty and injustice. So our, our, our goals are around advancing and protecting the right to be heard, advancing gender justice, ensuring that people have a uh, sustainable food supply, fair share of natural resources, um, and that they, that, that they have the ability to both plan for and have, you know, resilience in the, con- in the face of natural and uh, humanitarian disasters. So if you extend that into the workplace and say, well, your staff have the right to the tools that they need to do their job. And if the foundation tool for an organization like ours working in so many geographies and across so many areas and themes and functions is a digital workplace, uh, then the, the fundamental right is is that to connect. At one point, we were making the argument that we operate in areas sometimes where bandwidth is very expensive and people sometimes you know shirk at paying for that. Uh, but we also operate in contexts where uh, fuel is expensive and we put it in the cars nonetheless and we you know we don't send the cars out there without fuel to for them to operate and the point that we've made within the digital workplace team is that bandwidth is essentially the fuel 
to the cars, if, if, you, if you can think of that equivalent. So we're trying to assert the fact that the staff and our partner staff as well have the right to, to be connected. And we are seeing a flattening of the organization. I think Julian's example of the, the monthly live video is something that has taken off in a couple of areas within Oxfam. There's been some teams, some leadership, uh, some individuals in leadership that have done that. And even our, uh, our global executive director uh, has done a couple of live streams, which has been really quite powerful and changing. It's been amazing how to see how people, how the user community has surged right after those. But there's also been local stars. There's also been a real disintermediation of information coming out. We had one colleague who was essentially kind of blogging through workplace to some extent and bearing witness to humanitarian crisis that he was int intimately involved with. And hundreds of people were following and liking and following up on his posts. And there's just no way he would have reached that audience or seen that kind of visibility of his work. His his posts are not something, he's not a communications person. He's not someone who was publicly visible, uh, but it, it meant that the stories that he told could prompt those who work in those areas of communications and, and outreach and media to to pick up on that thread and, and have someone who was willing to bear witness to the work that we were doing. So in terms of the leapfrogging, I mean, in my history, I go back to, to some... Uh, I remember reading academic papers in back in 2003 about the, the then concept of the digital divide. And, you know, there were people writing about the fact that there simply wasn't enough copper left on the planet to create the, the broadband infrastructure in the global south as we have in the global north. And in the intervening, what, 15, 14, 15 years, we've seen a mobile revolution that has just made all of that theorizing completely irrelevant. And I think you're seeing a similar, you know, leap in the digital workplace world and, and something like workplace by Facebook is, is foremost among them, partly because it's mobile friendly and mobile first almost. And I think that the value proposition for an organization like ours is actually getting, getting out of the way in some ways, getting, giving everyone a voice, connecting experts between two areas in the global South, rather than have them intermediated by an organization like ours in, in Boston or in Oxford or in, um, or in Berlin. So we're, we're trying to make sure that the expertise that we know is out there. I mean, that's Oxfam's most valuable asset is the people we have and the, the, you know, their, their courage and their hard work and their knowledge is something that we're trying to expose within the organization. There's an old IBM line about if only, if only IBM knew what IBM knows. And we say the same about Oxfam. We think that there's some really talented, brilliant people out there. And we're trying to make sure that we have uh, put the tools in place for them to find them their way to each other and get their work done and have not have technology as a barrier, I guess, to that. Yeah, well, we must be going through as a, a sort of trying to make the world a better place um, kind of period on the podcast, because the last one of the last episodes was called Can Knowledge Management Save the World? We had Giovanni Piazza from uh, Global Head of KPMG and Jean-Claude um, Monet from, from Microsoft. And they were just talking about the kind of power of knowledge, of, of, of harnessing that knowledge that you're referring to, to kind of deal with viruses like v, uh, Zika and Ebola and, and really trying to get hold of that knowledge and actually harness it. I mean, one of the things that that I think is is so exciting about this is that if there is a kind of, if you like, an ethical um, aspect to this, that the idea of what you're referring to, Neil, as a sort of digital kind of human rights, then really one of the things that I say this in some of the talks that I do is that, you know, it doesn't matter 
whether you're the wealthiest person on the planet or the least wealthy, if you're accessing Amazon, your your experience of Amazon as an application is identical. Yes, there are differences in terms of what you can actually buy when you get to it. But, you know, the application uh, really doesn't care. And, and, and there's something kind of, in a way, democratising around this economically. Julian, do you feel that, that from, a, uh, from your perspective, is, is Workplace by Facebook a kind of mission or is it a business or is it, is it both? Well, Facebook is a very um, mission-driven company. And once again, the reason why we are investing so much in Workplace is that it's very much aligned with the core mission of Facebook, which is to, uh, to connect everyone uh, and to create communities. I, w- I would say be- because, because of that, you know, there, there's a lot of um, investments being made, but also um, this, this is what the, the reason why our employees wake up every day, because we love to see what happens when everyone is connected, when everyone has a voice. Uh, I think, you know, knowing that Oxfam is using Workplace to do what they do is something that makes everyone very happy in the company, not just in the Workplace team. We also, we, we've, we've worked with a company in New Zealand called Countdown New Zealand. Uh, it's a chain of supermarkets. And they did an employee sentiment survey before and after Workplace. And after Workplace, employee sentiment went up 20 points almost year over year. So usually if it goes up one point or two points, it means you have an amazing HR team. But just by by connecting people who've never felt connected before, they finally now, they understand who they work for, they understand who they work with, they want to exchange best practices and tips. They can only do that for the first time now on their personal device with Workplace. This is really where, where we are doing this thing. And we hope that, you know, it will have an impact on retention as well. But clearly this is, um, this is the core mission of Facebook and Workplace is doing that in a way in a different, um, I would say ecosystem, which is the SaaS or the, uh, the enterprise ecosystem. Mm. And this is getting me to think that really, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe I naively felt that the uh, that the workplace itself is is quite well connected. But actually what you see is, you know, what I'm thinking to myself now is actually just partially connected. It's it's in a state of connecting. Uh, it's more connected now than it was 20 years ago. But it's so much less connected that it's going to be in the future. And what are the uh, implications of that. Um, one of the things that, and I think, you know, you might be aware of this, Neil, is that one of the um, initiatives that the Digital Workplace Group set up is the Digital Nations Group. And what that is, is is a grouping of governments, NGOs, not-for-profit organisations all around trying to share knowledge between these organisations to create a more digitally integrated public and and civic sphere globally. And one of the things that strikes me is that there there isn't a, you know, the internet's the platform to do that, but there is so many difficulties in trying to get people to connect. If you're in the Ministry of Health in, in Finland, you'd love to share notes with the Ministry of Health in Spain and the Ministry of Health in Bolivia, but but trying to do that becomes so so difficult. Neil, is that something that you, I mean? Do we need one kind of overarching technology platform? And I'm I'm kind of being polite enough not to ask Julian this question. But you know, the world kind of does need to share and share well. How can we do that? I think it's a great question. An organisation like Oxfam, we we work with with uh, you know. 
I think 5,000 partner organizations across the world. It's not that Oxfam wow. staff are going out and doing all the things that we, we wish to do to fulfill our mission. We're actually seeking to work with uh, local NGOs in the countries in which we're running our programs. And because they're, you know, they're, they're the people there and it's, it's their context that they're operating in. And, and, you know, when we talk even about humanitarian response, Oxfam is really clear that we're not the first responders. The first responders are the people who have actually just gone through an experience like that. So building their resilience and looking at their local humanitarian leadership is our first board call. So for an organization like ours to, to connect out in that way is, is also a challenge. I mean, your, your example of government to government is, 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 uh, is very similar to our context. If you're working with an organization that's, uh, building resilience for recurring natural disasters, in areas, for example, where there are, um, you know, cyclones on a, on an annual basis or, or, uh, earthquakes frequently. We want to both build the capacity of those organizations to, to be resilient in the face of what they know will be coming. But we also want to make sure that we're connecting them to their peers in other countries where these things are happening so that they can learn from each other. Now, if we can be a broker, a knowledge broker, a connector in that area, then I think that really uh, illustrates our, our value add as an organization in the work that we do. There is a digital component to that. And as, as more and more people are connected, you know, there are 7 billion people with phones. Uh, there were 7 billion phones on the planet. There aren't 7 billion people with phones yet, but increasingly, in, increasingly the, you know, people living in poverty are making a choice with their limited resources. And one of those choices is increasingly includes owning a phone or having access to a phone and having access to the internet. So if Oxfam wants to continue to be the partner of choice, for people working their own way out of poverty and we're there to support them, then we want to be increasingly smart in our digital engagement with every one of the 25 million lives that we interact with. And that might mean facilitating their connection with each other. It might facilitate their connection with our expertise and uh, across our world. So, you know, looking at something like Workplace, which is, a, you know, it appeals from the perspective that it's private to your organization. But it also appeals in the context of their uh, multi-company groups. So the idea that you could create uh, secure spaces between workplace instances where you could connect experts in the right way and have a facilitated conversation. We haven't fully rolled that out ourselves yet. We are in a limited number of multi-company groups with, well, with our colleagues at Workplace and with a couple of other organizations. But we see that as an area that we really are seeking to explore. The barrier to entry for a, for a small NGO working in any developing country uh, to use workplace is low because a, a lot of their staff, as Julian pointed out, are, are likely already millennials are already using Facebook are already familiar with the concept and uh, working in, in both mobile and in digital spaces. And, you know, we want to be their partner of choice in their work. So it's, it's increasingly something that we're interested in, in looking at. What's interesting for us with uh, NGOs like Oxfam is that they really push the product to its limits. Uh, I can think of Save the Children, for example, who's also uh, who deployed Workplace company wide last year. But for example, if you look at something like 360 photos or 360 videos, which I have to say, uh, I, I was thinking of it as um, as a gadget on Workplace. Uh, I would not use it myself every day in the office. Uh, but actually at Oxfam and at Save the Children, uh, they use that a lot to share as fast as possible what they see 360 uh, in the field because they have to bring that back as fast as possible to the HQ or to the media to raise awareness. 
Um, and of course, most of these NGOs are working in a mobile-only uh, scenario, most of the time on, on 2G networks. So it's fascinating for us to see the use that they, that they do of workplace, very different from what we do ourselves at Facebook or what Booking.com, for example, would be doing. But, uh, but we, we learn a lot from that. And I think, you know, when, when we think of the, the next generation workplace, uh, this is really something that NGOs like Oxfam or Save the Children, um, you know, are, are living in. Uh, there is also a multi-company group on workplace for, for NGOs. I think we have 250 NGOs talking to each other almost every day via workplace. So we love to see these connections happening within the product. Mm. And, and what are the implications, do you think, Julian, of, of, uh, I mean, Facebook are one of the, of, of a, a number of organizations trying to connect the people who don't yet have internet connection. And, 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 and so I think we, we know that at some point, in the next, say, five years, that everyone will have access to an internet connection. And I'm trying to then think through what the, if you like, the kind of transformational impact of that's going to be on work and the ability for people to create income and economic effect. What's, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think it will create amazing opportunities, opportunities for employees, uh, even if they work in a, in a different country on a different time zone, speaking a different language. Uh, I think it will create opportunities to be discovered, to be identified, to be recognized uh, as a talent uh, within the company. So, so if, uh, I see clearly a big upside here. And as you said, I think 2.5 billion people, maybe 3 billion people are currently employed. But if you look at knowledge workers, so people who have a desk, a PC, and an email, that's only 900 million people. So there's clearly a lot of work to do here to go and connect these people who've never been connected before or who never had access to enterprise software because it's, because it's expensive. A professional email is expensive. Um, and so that's why I think some companies like Facebook will come up with different solutions that work on mobile, mobile first, even mobile only, with a, with, with a completely new business model or with a completely new pricing. And Neil, where is Oxfam looking to invest digitally next? Um, you know, what, what, are the, what are the kind of key areas for, for you as an organisation? I would say there's two that we're really investing in globally. One is, is to continue this digital workplace journey. I mean, if you think about that rights-based approach to, for our staff, we're also trying to make sure that uh, we have the right set of tools that people are going out to work every day with the right tools in their toolkit and that they're able to do their work in an optimal way. So we're continuing to invest in that portfolio. Um, it's hard to get into the other parts of the digital workplace stack sometimes in terms of, you know, finance systems and HR systems when you are still le legally 20 organizations. So we're continuing to invest in the digital workplace journey uh, for collaboration and for uh, visibility workplace by Facebook is part of that. Okta and Box are part of that. And we also have a Drupal internet that we're continuing to work through. But in the broader sense, uh, the points I was making earlier about the fact that there are 7 billion phones on the planet, this is increasingly something that we want to be leveraging in our work. If we want to be the partner of choice for people working their way out of poverty, then we have to be increasingly smart in how we engage with the lives that we interact with. That means getting to the point where well, let me put it this way. If a person seeking to, to empower themselves and get themselves out of poverty has this incredibly powerful device in their pocket or has access to this mobile device, how are we using that device to reach them, to hear from them, to empower them with information or knowledge uh, and to connect them with each other and to other sources of knowledge and power and funding? So in, in the development 
sphere. It's called ICT for D, Information and Communication Technology for Development. And it's increasingly one of what our global team is is uh, looking at as an area of focus. We want to make sure that the program work that we do, be it humanitarian, long-term development campaigns, or otherwise, we want to make sure that, that it is an ICT for D enabled to some extent, um, and making sure that if there's an opportunity to use technology in in the service of programs and campaigns that we are we're using every opportunity to do that okay and um and and what can we expect from from facebook relative to work in the next few years julian well you will see us uh innovating again on on workplace we uh we basically ship code every three hours. So, in a way, every three hours, the product gets better, uh, faster, nicer. Uh, it could be visible or not, but we are investing a lot of resources into the product. And, you know, we just started, as we say here, we are 1% finished. Or I would say we are 0% finished, but we just started this effort. So, uh, you will see uh, a lot of companies and a lot of organizations deploying workplace, ultimately uh, changing how they work. So, you can expect us to keep innovating and to keep scaling that uh, that uh, initiative uh, in many uh, countries and many uh, geographies. Hmm. And 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 you're going to continue to treat the not-for-profit sector differently to the for-profit sector. Is that is that part of your yeah um, commitment? yeah yeah absolutely uh, non-for-profit and not EDUs do not pay for workplace, uh, and that's not going to change. Wow. Okay. That's fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for the fascinating conversation and the insight into to what you're each doing and, and what your organization's doing. I didn't really have much time to talk about either of you as, as individuals and the great things that you've already achieved in your, your own careers, but um, that'll all be in the show notes and people can find things online. So Neil and Julian, thank you so much for your time and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Julian. Great to connect. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking research and practitioner expertise. And for more information about DWG, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com. And I mention in the episode a new, newish initiative from the D- Digital Workplace Group called the Digital Nations Group. And the Digital Nations Group is focused on creating a more digitally integrated public and civic sphere globally. It involves governments, parliaments, not-for-profits, international NGOs. It was launched at the UN High Commissioner for Refugees in Geneva in 2016 and has also met at the World Bank in Washington. And if you'd like more information about becoming a partner, funder or member of the Digital Nations Group and the confidential work that it's doing to create a more digitally integrated planet, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com forward slash digital hyphen nations hyphen group. And you can get information about what we do and what we're getting up to. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, you're very welcome to do so at Digital Workplace Group 
facebook.com forward slash DWG underscore podcast. Do go to iTunes and write a review because that really helps. And there's some fascinating episodes, really eclectic mix from series one. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.